Hello, my friends, and welcome. You know something. I have been alone here in my forest since I saw you last, and I feel quite light. I feel as if I'm in a little castle, all my own. Not a castle made by human hands, not even one made by nature. It's just a feeling in my mind, in my heart, in my guts. The feeling that I'm strong and safe. Now it's not like that all the time, of course. Not always. Sometimes fear rushes in and I wave hello, and it rushes out and I wave goodbye. But for the most part, I think I've found my footing on solid ground again. For now, anyway. As peace has crept into my mind, my heart, my guts once again, paying me a pleasant and lengthy visit, I have felt a little at a loss as to what I should ask my tarot cards. I do not know what guidance I need. I have been active, too active, in clearing out the dead and dying leaves from the paths over which the dead will walk soon in my woods. I've been leaving my own kinds of little ornaments in the trees. Ornaments made of rose petals, honeycomb, cinnamon, bark, whatever I can get my hands on that looks, smells, tastes good. I've been lighting my own candles this time. I think it's more beautiful this way. But I have been active. So I have been seeking peace. I almost asked my cards, How can I better find peace? How can I quiet my mind a little? That sort of thing. But the truth is, you know the answer as well as I. You just try. You sit. You make everything silent. You breathe and you make the quiet. You can't always succeed. It's hard. Sometimes turning everything off and allowing the quiet and the stillness in is the most frightening part. But it is, for myself anyway, the only true answer. I am having trouble trusting my instinct, nurturing my power by letting it just be, and not forcing myself to do, to make. And so I haven't been listening to myself. All this is to say, I simply asked my cards the same basic question I've been asking for about three weeks, because all I want is guidance, but I do not want to guide the guidance in any way. So I asked, what now? I shuffled. I cut the deck. I drew the Seven of Cups reversed. 
we saw this once before. In a story about a girl and a book. A girl who had all the choices in the world open to her, and found the right one by being true to herself and what she knew was right. Because the reversed Seven of Cups is all about confusion and choice, due to an overabundance of options and opportunities. Sometimes having too many options can begin to feel like having none at all. That's why we like these cards, isn't it? Because we like someone narrowing down our experience to a simple image, a simple thought. Life isn't simple, of course, but it helps to... What do they call it now? Zoom in a little. Bear with me, I'll be speaking about technology a little tonight, and I'm not very good at it, being an ancient forest spirit and all. Anyway, the reversed seven cups tells us that we may be stuck in place, stopped by indecision, by too many choices. It is not the worst problem to have, of course, and the best way to solve it is to remember what you and your heart is most closely aligned with. What is your highest calling? What do you want to stand for? And which choice suits those things best? So, good. I think I may be on the right path. I am focusing on the task at hand, making lost souls feel safe and welcome, at least for this most frightful, wonderful season we find ourselves in. My season. I am grateful for the clarity of purpose I experience every autumn. How about you? If you are stuck, what paths are before you? Which path is closest to your truest goal? I have a story. A story about someone who found himself on a very strange path, indeed. Unsure of which way to turn. Let's begin. There was once a young man who was exceptionally good with these strange devices with screens and keyboards and light and sound that we find ourselves somehow inextricably connected with. He was a computer programmer, or something like that. I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about the intricacies of that kind of work. I only know that it must take an awfully clever kind of person to understand magic such as this. Magic that makes my thoughts think words and my fingers play them like musical instruments before me, and to see them instantly tap-tap-tapped out on my screen, so gracefully, so delicately, that I can focus instead on the magic of words seeing them spelled out before me, speaking life into them later, all because I could tap, tap, tap and instantly see my thoughts, instantly see this forest, 
so much so that I forget about the computer. What a gift. What power. All gifts, all powers, such as even this one that we so quickly take for granted, can be used for good or for ill. I do not blame the magic for its misuse. But we will get back to that later. This young man. He lived a simple life. He worked from his little apartment, and he worked as he pleased. He took breaks to play bright and shining games that looked like a wonderful alternate reality. And in these worlds, he felt all the more at home than he did when he had to leave his home. Work elsewhere. Meet friends. Go to appointments. He did it, though he found it difficult sometimes. And just because he found it difficult sometimes did not mean that he was generally unhappy. Generally, he was happy. He was just happiest when he was being sucked into one of his other worlds, one of the bright and shining worlds on his computer screens. Now I did say that he had friends, and he did. While he knew some only in his computer worlds, and some only in his outside world, there was one who he knew in both. She was his best friend since childhood. Together, they had played games on clumsy devices with large cartridges on thick television sets. They had played pixelated games in what seemed like miraculous color at the time, on tiny screens in the playground at school. They had played games together, in the same room or on opposite sides of the world. They escaped into games with one another since the day they met, on the sidewalk between their houses, as they each tried to ignore the tumult within their households. Every household has its share of darkness, and every child will carry a little of that darkness in their heart for the rest of their life. Some will turn it, alchemy-like, into something new. Others will hide it down, deep, deep down, until it demands to be released one day. But this is only a little part of our story, so do not worry too much for these children. For they found each other, and that was a lovely bit of light in their lives. No matter where they were, they could always be together. And it was medicine that was well needed and well earned, as they tried their very best to navigate the increasingly turbulent waters of adult life. They could always meet somewhere, and see a magnificent sight together, or vanquish a frightful foe or solve a strange and fascinating riddle, or just visit a tavern and listen to a song together. Even if she preferred horror games and delighted in hearing him scream and seeing him hide his eyes, and even if he preferred bright, funny adventure games with colorful characters and witty dialogue, they loved to visit each other in each other's favorite worlds. Best friends you understand. But it had been some time since they'd played together, and our hero was direly missing his best friend, 
When he first pointed it out, she was quick to reply and apologize, saying that she was working on a particularly challenging game at the moment, for she too had taken her love of these magical, mystical things I see my words pop up on as we speak, and turned it into a career, into a life's passion. But then eventually, she wasn't quite so quick to reply, and not quite so sincere in her apologies. And eventually, she simply stopped replying. Now, he was concerned. It had been quite some time since they'd seen each other. Not in person, and not online. And it wasn't like her to simply fade away without word, without explanation. Last he knew, she was living here, in the city. As the sun set on one day where our hero was feeling particularly courageous, he put on his boots and his cloak. I apologize, it was a sweater with a hood. And he went adventuring. Down side roads and main streets, on underground rockets and above ground once more, he dodged rain and wind and strangers with flyers to get to the building she lived in. It looked almost exactly like his, and this was not unusual at all. He knocked on her door, but no one came. He had a key, for they trusted each other with such things. And he let himself in, calling her name softly. No answer came. The place was silent. She was not here. There was some fruit on the counter, rotting and covered in flies. There were several lights left on in different rooms, shoes that had been kicked off carelessly, a half-finished cup of coffee that looked curdled and rancid, by her computer. It was on. The screen was bright, so bright for showing nothing but a black screen. But that is only one of the strange mystical things a computer is capable of doing. Showing extraordinarily bright shades of black. What a feat. It was almost black, except for that one little line, blinking, as though waiting for someone to type something. He sat down across from the computer, and he whispered to no one in particular, Where did you go? Then slowly, very slowly, one letter at a time, all in a strange kind of orange-red, the following words were created before his eyes. You find yourself on a path in the woods alone at night. It is very dark. So dark that you almost cannot see the path ahead of you. There are lots of branches on the ground around you, and you have your trusty flint in your pocket. What do you do? Our hero smiled to himself. 
a text-based adventure. He remembered these. He loved these. He knew exactly what to do. He entered the simple command, Pick up stick. The game continued. You try to light the stick on fire, but you do not have fuel, so it does not take. He frowned a little, and entered. Look around. The text replied, You cannot see anything. It is too dark. He tried something different. Use flint. You cannot use that without fuel. Check pockets, he tried. You only had the flint. You have nothing now but a stick and a stone. He sighed. There were no options left. Well, there was one. Go forward, he wrote. The game continued. You continue walking down the path without any light, trusting in nothing but your own two feet. You keep going until you find a fork in the road. Do you go left or right? Left, he wrote. You go left, and the path is somehow even more dark than it was before. You are looking for something. How can you find it if you're completely in the dark, I wonder? Yet you keep looking nonetheless. You keep going until you find a fork in the road. Do you go left or right? Left, he wrote. You go left, and the path is somehow even more dark than it was before. You are looking for something. How can you find it if you're completely in the dark, I wonder? Yet you keep looking nonetheless. You keep going until you find a fork in the road. Do you go left or right? Our hero threw back his head in frustration. This could not be what she was working on, surely. This was terrible. Fine, he thought, and typed right. You go right, and the path is somehow even more dark than it was before. You are looking for something. How can you find it if you're completely in the dark, I wonder? Yet you keep looking nonetheless. You keep going until you find a fork in the road. Do you go left or right? He stopped. What did the game want him to do? Nothing he seemed to type did anything had any positive or negative effect whatsoever. What do you want me to do? He whispered. Then, suddenly, unprompted, the game resumed and continued to type. Someone is on the road with you. Someone is here. He looked at the words and at the little white line pulsing, as if it were waiting for someone to type something again. He moved to write his next choice, but the game continued. Someone is waiting at the fork in the road. They are wearing a cloak, 
a hood hiding their face. But you see them smiling, despite the darkness. Hello, brave hero, they say. What do you reply? Unsure and growing a little bored, he typed simply, Hello. And then again, nothing. For almost a minute. Then some words came again with surprising quickness this time. Goodbye, the cloaked figure says. Do you go left or right? Our young hero stared at the screen, dumbfounded, frustrated. He tried to exit the game. He pressed button after button, key after key. He moved the mouse around, but nothing he did had any effect. The game, if one could call it that, would not quit. The words continued, Which way do you go? He tried to turn the computer off. The power button would not work. Control-Alt-Delete would not work. None of the tricks worked. Against his better instinct, he ripped the cord out of the wall. But the words just came again, this time more slowly. Which way do you go? He was shaking now. Perhaps because he was moving from a world where he understood the way magic worked. He knew how to make it, to manipulate it, to stop it and he had just entered a world of an altogether different kind of magic. Right? He tried again. You go right, and the path is somehow even more dark than it was before. You are looking for something. How can you find it if you're completely in the dark, I wonder? This was obscene. Yet you keep looking This was awful. This was hellish. You keep going this was until cursed. you find a fork in the road. Our hero waited until the words stopped. He racked his brain trying to think of a way out of this. Someone is on the road with you. Someone is here. Those words came again, and were followed by more. It is the cloaked figure. Hello, brave hero, they say again. What do you reply? Hello, he wrote again. Nothing, once more. Until the game answered first. Are you lost? The hooded figure asks. Yes, our hero typed. What do you want to do, they ask. Find a way off this road, he replied. Don't lie to me, the cloaked figure whispers, and the sounds of the crickets and wolves and owls stop. The figure is no longer smiling. The little white line pulsed again and again. Very slowly, he typed the following words, his eyes filling with tears and his hands shaking. Find my friend, he typed. 
You walk down the dirt path, even in the darkness, towards a castle. The text before him read, You pass over a treacherous bridge, down a crumbling stone road, now. Though the castle is old and falling apart in some places, it is beautiful nevertheless, as damaged things that have withstood and transcended time often can be. There is a warm orange light glowing from within. You reach the front door. It is massive and heavy, made of iron. It is locked. What do you do? He didn't realize that the lights in the apartment had been switched off, one by one, starting with the bedroom and bathroom far away from his view. And now, slowly, the lights in the living room, the kitchen, and the tiny office area. He didn't notice. His eyes were focused on that bright light coming from the almost all-black screen. All black but for the orange-red text that glared before his eyes. What do you do, hero? The game prompted again. Break down door, he wrote, growing exasperated. Please don't break down my door, the game wrote. I spent a long time designing it, even if you can't see it. What do you do? Knock on door, he wrote, whispering the one word, please, 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 over and over at the computer screen. It is far too strong for that. It is made of iron. No one inside can hear you. Your knuckles hurt from trying. What do you do? He tried to think of what he was here for. What worked before. What he needed to remember. Why he was here. Find my friend, he wrote again. And the door opened. Down crimson carpets, past damask walls, through halls of portraits whose faces you do not recognize nor can even quite make out clearly. You walk and you walk and you walk, the game told him. There are statues moving, there are dungeons screeching, there are bats flying, but do not pay attention to them. Remember what you came here for. Remember what you are doing here in the first place. You walk up, up, up a spiral staircase. Torches line the walls, casting your shadow through the flickering corridors. Someone is here, walking ahead of you. Someone is here. You see their shadow, hooded and gliding up the stairs. Someone is here. Find my friend, the hero wrote hurriedly, hoping to skip to the point. It was all he wanted to do now. He didn't understand why that was the only command that worked, but it was, and he wanted to use it. The game interrupted him quickly. Quiet, please, brave hero, 
the shadow of the cloaked figure says, turning around and drawing a bony finger up to its lips. We're almost there, but we mustn't make a racket. You both continue up the stairs in silence. But you climb up and up and up with no end in sight. How long has it been now? How much farther could it possibly be? Wouldn't you rather play something else? Something brighter? Something more fun, more magical? What could be at the top of the stairs, in the highest tower of the castle, worth wading through this much shadow and silence and stone for? Why are you still here, brave hero? Why are you still here? He quickly replied again, Find my friend. Quiet, please, brave hero, the shadow of the cloaked figure says, turning around and drawing a bony finger up to its lips. We're almost there, but we mustn't make a racket. You both continue up the stairs in silence. He persisted. Another time he typed, Find my friend. Stop it, stop it, stop it, the figure screams. There is next a deafening silence. Sitting at the computer in almost complete darkness, the apartment pitch black, and somehow the city outside the same, or so it seemed from the windows in this place. Nothing existed except for the screen, and the castle, and the winding staircase, vivid as anything in his mind. He didn't type, but whispered aloud to the cloaked figure in the words on the screen, Is it you? Have I found you? Nothing for some time. Then suddenly, just the phrase, the cloaked figure's shadow overtakes the stairwell, extinguishing the torches, and you are alone in the dark now, too. And the screen went black, not lit up from behind black, but just black. The computer was off. He could not go up or down, left or right. It would seem all the paths had finally been destroyed, and now he didn't know where to go. He realized just how dark everything was all around him. He couldn't see his fingers on the keyboard. He couldn't see out the windows. He couldn't see the door to the apartment. But if the game taught him anything, it was this. If you remember what your mission is, there is always a path to go down. So he typed the words, even if he couldn't see the letters, and he whispered them at the same time. Find my friend. In the darkness, he heard breathing behind him.
calm, steady, almost so quiet that he didn't hear it. But he felt her standing there. He would always know what it felt like to be with her, no matter if they were on other sides of the world or in the same room, in a virtual world or a material world. He always knew what it was to be with her. And he was with her now. He didn't turn around. He whispered, Where did you go? Hoarsely, as if only half of herself, she replied, The castle. Tears fell silently from his eyes, and he was almost grateful to the darkness for hiding them, for he was more angry than sad now. Why? She sighed. Because I made it too beautiful, and I had no other choice. How? He managed to get the word out. He could hear the smile in her voice as she said the most ludicrous, most obvious, most simple, and most logical explanation she could. Magic. A long silence passed between them. He spun the chair around slowly. He was terrified to see her, though he didn't know why. She had always loved frightening things. Her characters were always so powerful, so full of darkness and wrath. He never had the audacity nor the desire to ask her why, for he knew about the darkness that she'd locked away since childhood. Long, long, long ago. He knew where her characters came from, but they always frightened him. And so he was very, very afraid now. He thought about the beautiful castle of which she spoke, and finally said, Can I see it? Are you sure that's what you want? She whispered. And just then, the lights in the room flickered. Only for a second, but in that second he saw her. Eight feet tall. A crown on her head with spikes as sharp as razors. Eyes black but for red-orange pupils. Lips dripping red-orange blood. A staff in her hand decorated with skulls and black and red-orange gemstones. Gowns made of black vines and thorns decorated here and there with red-orange roses. Were they bleeding, too? Her mouth open in a roar, her hands raising the staff up as though to cast a terrible spell. An awful queen of some vengeful, terrible kingdom. All that he'd seen in just a brief moment of flickering light. 
he screamed and covered his face. When the lights all came back on once more, she was gone. He quickly grabbed the computer in his arms and ran out. He hopped in a car and had a driver take him home. He tried to catch his breath the whole way, but his heart was slamming against his ribs in terror. He ran through the rain to his building, up the stairs into his apartment, where he locked the door and fell into his bed, hiding under the covers like a child. Now he was terrified. She had been terrifying. But he remembered. He remembered who she was and what he had gone there to do. She liked to scare people. She liked to scare him. And hadn't she shown him things in some of these games? The darkest of these games. The most frightful of these games. Hadn't she shown him things of such immense beauty, too? Things he would never have seen if he hadn't followed her there. And he missed her. He plugged the computer into the wall. He connected it to his monitor. He sat before it. And when the bright black screen came up, he saw the words, You find yourself on a path in the woods alone at night. It is very dark. So dark that you almost cannot see the path ahead of you. There are lots of branches on the ground around you, and you have your trusty flint in your pocket. What do you do? And he smiled. I saw those words myself once. I stumbled upon a computer. A different one, with the game on it. It appeared in my forest one day. I visited the castle. It might please you to learn that nobody was trapped there. Everyone within it had gone there by choice, and was, I assure you, living quite happily in a world full of darkness and peril and adventure and magic and its own kind of light, too, mind you. Good night, my friends. There are many paths one can take. Just remember why you started traveling down the road in the first place. For now, go down the one that has safety, calm, comfort, and peace for you tonight. Very good. Sweet dreams. everybody, this is Kristen Zaza, the writer, host, performer, composer, all-around podcaster of On a Dark Cold Night, and I want to thank you so much for stopping by and listening to episode 165 with me. How are you? 
How is October treating you? I feel more and more like celebrating every day that the leaves change to red-orange outside my window. I'm grateful for the weather cooling down a little. I feel like it's time. I would like to send a big thank you today to my newest Patreon supporter. Thank you so much to Rage McMuffin, who pledged a monthly amount through Patreon.com. I am so grateful for you wanting to help me make the show, Rage McMuffin, so again, thank you so, so much. Every Patreon supporter of any amount receives access to my constantly updated soundtrack for On a Dark Cold Night. There are over 150 tracks and increasing every week, so I think it's worth at least $1 a month, right? And if you pledge $5 or more a month, bear in mind this is USD for those outside of the US like myself, then you can also receive access to a monthly tarot reading video I upload every full moon. To learn more about these perks, head on over to patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you'd prefer to donate one time only without any perks, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. And you can also check out our t-shirts and hoodies available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Another great way to support the show is by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, and on Facebook and YouTube just under the page or channel name on a dark cold night. And I'm gradually learning how to TikTok, I think. You can follow me there at Kristen Zaza, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-Z-A-Z-A, all one word. Thank you so much for listening tonight, my friends. I hope you have a peaceful sleep. If you have confusion about what way to turn next or what you ought to do, I know it's hard, but try to find a little silence. Try to give yourself a bit of time to sit with no one's thoughts or input but your own and see what you have to say. Silence is difficult for me. But hey, maybe we can get through it together. Sleep well, my friends. Good night. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.